But uh, we're all about the Word of God and the souls of men. So I pray, uh, you know, one of the things uh, early on, in I'm teaching Matthew in our Bible Institute on Saturday mornings. And right after he started his earthly ministry, he said he was preaching and teaching in uh, the different towns. And we talked about kind of the difference between preaching and teaching. And we, we said, I mean, it, it's hard to distinguish sometimes maybe, but... Uh, teaching mostly, I guess, affects your head. You're, you're intellectually engaged. You're challenged. Hopefully, we're learning. But uh, preaching affects our heart. And when you know, there's just some things about the Word of God that when you proclaim truth, it has, it should have an effect on our hearts. And we're, we're looking at Job and. And uh, so I was just thinking of that this morning. I took our dogs for a long walk, so I was almost late myself. But but uh, I was just thinking, uh, you know, is our class, you know, really making a difference? What are we really learning from Job? Is it just a intellectual exercise? I mean, I'm trying to learn some counseling principles myself. Uh, and, and there's just a doctrinal aspect. I, I really thought... <clears throat> If if Job is just about Job arguing with his friends about why he's suffering, then then that I don't think God would have put that in our Bibles. Just you know, four grown men arguing about who's you know who's in the wrong and why this is happening. But so we're we're digging deeper and we're seeing truth. And one thing you know, we're almost halfway through. We're in Job twenty today. And I, I thought I would just uh, back up because, uh, Heather, you may not have been here when we did our first... Let me save this real quick. <clears throat> when we did our initial uh, overview. But... Uh, so I've got like a 10-page study guide of Job... And that's how my study of Job started. It was when I was in Bible Institute. Uh, we call it the Shepherd School of Ministry because uh, the pastors at Kansas City Baptist Temple were helping young men uh, like myself be uh, shepherds of people. That's what a pastor is. Uh, they're to feed God's sheep. And uh, uh, two of my friends... I believe this is right. Uh, I graduated shepherd school in 2000, so 23 years ago. But uh, Luke's wife, Brenda, most of you know Brenda Fleshman. Uh, her dad was a friend of mine. He's a, he was a couple years older. He, he died of cancer. But uh, I was in shepherd school with him and a guy named Larry Smith. And we were all just really intrigued about the book of Job. And so we all kind of accumulated our notes and we sent them to each other. And so I, I just kind of had this pile of notes. And, and one of the things that, of course, uh, I, I did not learn growing up about Job was, you know, his name means one persecuted. We're seeing a lot of things about uh, him being a type or uh, like a foreshadowing of the Jew in the tribulation period, even right down to where he was living in this earth, uh, uh, the land of Uz. And we, we know it's down around Edom, uh, the place we believe uh, where Petra's at, the place of the rock. 
And we believe it's where the Jews are going to flee during the tribulation period and God is going to nourish them there for three and a half years. But if we just look at where... uh, where Job is at in the Bible, uh, I wanted to just talk about these books leading up to. Let's spell that. We we were discipling a couple one time. And he pronounced that the, the book is Esther. I don't know. It always tickled me. So every time I read it, I think of Esther. But uh, so our teachers uh, told us, you know, in in the book of Ezra. At the beginning of that, a Gentile king named Cyrus commissions uh, the Jews to go back to the land. And uh, we, we know that that, that, th- that same thing happened uh, right after World War I. Uh, a lot of the Jews, they called it the Zion movement. A lot of Jews were going back to the land, and some people say that uh, World War One kind of prepared uh, the Jews for the land. But uh, in Nehemiah, remember he built the walls. He built the walls and he put boundaries around Jerusalem. And in some ways, that's what happened at the end of World War II. Uh, in 1948, the Israel was declared a country again. And our, our own uh, Harry S. Truman declared that. And other world leaders said, yeah, they... So after... You know, 2,500 years, we, we just got done studying Jeremiah, so around 586 BC, the Jews were exiled to Babylon, and they were never a, a nation again until uh, World War II, at the end of World War II. And, uh, so, so some of these, the way the Bible is laid out is very prophetical, and Esther can rep- represent the rapture, and we we believe uh, that's the next thing on God's prophetic calendar. Is because uh, in Esther, uh, Queen Queen Vashti was cast down from being the queen, and uh, this Jewish Queen Esther became the queen. And so that that's kind of what happens at the rapture is the Gentile bride, the church of uh, the Lord's church is raptured, is taken away, and the Jews are back in focus again after the rapture of the church. And of course, Job really represents the tribulation, and and that is what we're studying. Uh, that. And we'll see it some today. Uh, just a lot of references to uh, suffering and persecution, obviously, but also some things distinct about the Antichrist. And uh, th- this is the one that kind of amazes me. <clears throat> uh, the millennium. Uh, 
we, we think that the Psalms of Degrees, uh, there's 15 Psalms of Degrees, uh, very well could have been written by Hezekiah. <clears throat> and uh, we know that Solomon wrote two of the Psalms. And so it took almost a thousand years to write the Psalms. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, Solomon. I meant uh, Moses. Moses wrote at least. So Moses, uh, in around 1500 BC, and then uh, Hezekiah, you know, in 500 and some. Uh, so almost a thousand years, the Psalms covers, and the word uh, Selah comes up in Psalms and Selah means like a musical rest and that's what the thousand years will be like the earth is given rest and uh, look at my notes here on these last two um, we know uh, Psalms or Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and then uh, Song of Solomon just uh, the wisdom <clears throat> and then uh, some people call this the honeymoon uh, so they're looking at this like uh, maybe judgment type things and the honeymoon is Christ in his church so anyway at least these first uh, five or six books here of our Bible just really the order of the books is even divine I believe just the way they're laid out so the Hebrew Bible is different it's a different order uh-huh. for, for their history and future and it, it's cool how it worked out okay okay so if you didn't hear Jim uh, uh Jim's just mentioned that the Hebrew Bible is even in different order uh, for their history. So it's very meaningful in, in, in all aspects. So anyway, hopefully that causes us to reverence uh, the Lord and the Word. And as we look at chapter 20, I gave you on your handout, I gave you, I found what I think was some good quotes. I gave you a quote here at the top underneath our our Job 13:15 is kind of my theme verse for this study because Job is just like though he slay me yet will I trust in him but I will maintain my own ways before him that that's been to me a key verse for this no matter what happens Job's going to trust the Lord and then this Harry Emerson Fosdick he said, no character is ultimately tested until it is suffered. And so I'm not sure who this guy was, but anyway, I thought that was a good quote. I've got several from uh, Adoniram Judson, and so I, I've got enough to... Uh, C.S. Lewis had some, and John Wesley had a couple. So I'll, I'll try to give you those uh, one each week as we go through them. So anyway, Job is being tested, tested and he is suffering. <clears throat> and this, uh, you know, there's kind of three rounds of discussion between Job and his three friends. Uh, but I didn't know that till this week that uh, Zophar... He only had two rounds, and, and so this is his last. These, this uh, chapter twenty is his last words to Job, 
And so, uh, Emmett, if you will read for us, we're going to look at, read uh, 1 through 3, if you would. Then answered so far, and Ammonite, and said, Therefore do my thoughts cause me to answer, and for this I make haste. I have heard the check of my reproach, and the spirit of my understanding causeth me to answer. Now, this is going to be a pretty heated discussion. I mean, it's kind of like the gloves are off and they're going to Dukesville here with their words. But uh, the, the counseling principle that I saw from here is just... Uh, not to let your emotions get involved, and, and Zophar doesn't follow that. He he says, uh, you know, I've heard the check of my reproach, and the spirit of my understanding causeth me to answer. So he's he's going to kind of be uh, rash here. I mean, he didn't. Uh, I mean, he's been offended by what Job has said, and he's mad that Job just can't get it through his head that. He must have some hidden sin. And so he's frustrated, so he's emotional. He gets his emotions involved. And even in verse 29, the last verse of this... Let's see, what was I going to say about that? This is the portion of the of a wicked man from God and the heritage appointed unto him by God. I'm trying to see which what I was referencing there. Well, anyway, uh, so verses four and five, uh, Pam, if you'll read those. You got four and five. Well, I was looking at what was referenced there on three. It says reproof of my insulting correction. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Knowest thou not this of old, since man was placed upon earth, that the triumphing of the wicked is short, and the joy of the hypocrite, but a, but for a moment. So he he calls this this wicked person a hypocrite here, and that that is one of the things that Christ calls the scribes and Pharisees but uh, when he talks about since man has been on the earth I mean this could be a reference to the flood because he's saying you know man became so wicked that his triumphing was only for a minute and God caused the flood so he's given some historical background here that it's, it's true in some ways that you know wicked people are only uh, wicked for a moment or for a short time and God will judge them so he he's implying that Job is wicked and therefore you know these things have come upon him and that's why he was only this great man of the east for a short time before God killed his kids and took all his animals and servants and land and job and even his health uh, but it's going to really point to the Antichrist. Uh, so historically, I put he's referring to Job. Doctrinally, he's referencing the Antichrist. And part of the, part of the reason we say that is, 
in in Second Thessalonians, the Antichrist is called that wicked, and here it just keeps referencing the the wicked. So some of this is generally true of of wicked people, and some of it is very uh, direct to the Antichrist. And uh, one of the things I was reading there, that this may have came from Dake's Bible, uh, Pam. I told you I, I look at Dake's Bible. Uh, it's referencing this uh, time period uh, before the flood there, I think. I'm not I'm not sure what he's referencing there in those years, but I think that is where I got those numbers at. Yeah, I think you're right because it is a question mark at the end of verse five. So he's being kind of I don't know sarcastic. He says, "Don't you know that the wicked, you know, since the beginning of time, the wicked don't prosper." And, you know, yeah. They prosper for a moment. Yeah. He's asking him a question. Don't you know this? Don't yeah, it's kind of... Since the beginning of man. Yep. It's kind of rhetorical, isn't it? Yeah, rhetorical. That's word. Yeah. Well, if you're judging something wicked, you have to have a reference of good. Uh-huh. Where was there a reference of good? Well, uh, yeah, so this was the age of the flood there. So you're right. This is before... before uh, the law, we think he was contemporary with like Abraham's children. So there is some uh, context of, you know, just the example of Adam and Eve and, uh, you know, Cain killed Abel. And so, you know, they, they knew murder was wrong. They knew some of those things. So it's more oral tradition than a written word at that time. Is that what you're meaning? Yeah, you're, you know, even in the beginning of Job, when you showed the timelines of from Adam to these guys, it wasn't that far by word of mouth. Uh huh. So it's that's how they knew. Yeah, so they did have example of like you know some animal sacrifice and uh, you know some things like that. But uh, what are you what are you thinking as you're asking that? I didn't know. Uh huh. Okay. Just knew that they knew what wicked was. Yeah. Well, that's why they call it the age of conscience. And I don't know if you've ever had anybody tell you, you know, let your conscience be your guide. But all of us have kind of a a built. They call our conscience like a built-in right and wrong meter. We, we kind of have a built-in right or wrong. And, and so you, you can really go to tribes today that are, uh, you know, don't have the written word. But they, they have a standard of, you know, it's wrong to lie, it's wrong to kill. Some of that's just built in innately, you know, right? You know, the, we hope so. <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, they, they say that, well, I mean, even the American Indians when they got here, they they had the spirit in the sky that they worshipped or whatever. So there's there's what we call general revelation of God through nature. I mean, you know, most most people you know cherish children. They they uh, honor marriage. They all these things that are just kind of you know in nature. God reveals Himself in a general way. And so the, the the Bible is what we call the specific revelation. We we have words, 
the, the words are called the vehicle of thought. The, these are God's thoughts. Uh, words are the vehicle of thought. So this is how He communicates specifically to us. But He can be known through nature in a, in a general way. And so, anyway, I guess that's how I would answer that. They they had conscience. They had nature. They had some oral traditions. So when those things were violated, things that go against nature, it was considered wicked. so that, that's a good question and you know it, it's really funny you know learned man today teaches evolution even though it has been you know proven wrong in many ways but uh, in the Bible really man is kind of devolving even though we knowledge is increasing you know wisdom and truth is really becoming less and so in, in many ways you know these guys were more brilliant than people today aren't they I mean this this whole conversation that we're reading is so well thought out and they've compared things to other things and they think wow how did they know that and so in many ways I mean we're just trying to figure out what they're even talking about sometimes <laughs> it's, it's, it's deep stuff and they know all this stuff about God that we're trying to figure out and so in many ways they had more truth or more capacity than we do. So that's that's really a good question, Pam. You know, for someone to be considered wicked, they must have had a standard, and just I think their their knowledge of God in many ways surpasses our own. So uh, six through nine, Heather, if you'll read those for us. Though his excellency mount up to the heavens, and his head reach unto the clouds, yet he shall perish forever like his own dung. They which have seen him shall say, Where is he? He shall fly away as a dream, and shall not be found. Ye he shall be chased away as vision of the night. The eye also which saw him shall see him no more neither shall his place any more behold him mm-hmm. and in verse 6 it talks about this wicked person even though his excellency could mount up to the heavens and his head reach up into the clouds uh, because he's wicked, because he's a hypocrite, he will perish forever and uh, like dung and like a dream, it'll fly away, it's going to perish. <clears throat> and so some of this is descriptive of uh, the Antichrist and even Lucifer's fall. He, he was mounting up to the heavens and he was brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. And so my teaching point here was just that wickedness is but for a moment and dung and dreams both uh, perish quickly. So does popularity and fame and riches and achievements. And uh, I remember when we we moved uh, two years ago and I, I think that's when it was. You know, we cleaned out the attic. We lived at our other house for 29 years and I know there was some... Uh, 
an art project that I was so proud of in high school. We had it up in the attic, you know. And we threw it away. And uh, I also had some tractor pulling track uh, trophies. I did some tractor pulling uh, when I was a younger man and still on the farm. And I think that's when we tossed them. Um, it's like, why do we need these 30-year-old trophies, you know? And so I, as I read this, I think of this. You know, we, you know, rather, you know, I like to, you know, just... Uh, see like bodybuilding things or weightlifting things and think of you know how heavy some weight is that somebody can lift and anyway it in the big I remember I was talking to Kyle our son-in-law's he leads the the PT that the the personal training for his army group every morning at six o'clock or whatever he's just in incredible shape he's he, but you know, it's even getting old to him. He's like, you know, really, nobody cares how many push-ups you can do. It's he's he just he's just kind of realizing how vain it is. He's like, you know, I still try to keep up with the young kids. They come in, they're cocky, and this twenty-year-old wants to race the thirty-year-old. And so he he puts he he's determined to beat them beat them all every time. And probably does. And uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and he he does when he was in his training in Oklahoma he was up there with 200 people and they and, and he 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 won the competition of all 200 of them up there at that and so he is in incredible shape but he's wise enough to know you know his focus needs to be on the Lord too and raising his kids and so I, I was really proud of it. it was kind of a mature thing and anyway he he still drinks some you know protein shakes and pre-workout stuff but he's like yeah, I may quit doing that. It's like it's just tiring to get up and mix up a drink, and so anyway, uh, that a lot of these things will just perish. Is what I put in your blank there. And then uh, verse ten, uh, Jim, if you read that, <clears throat> his children shall seek to please the poor, and his hands shall restore their goods. You know, in uh, in Jeff Adams' book, he really took a page or two to talk about this verse here, and uh, he, he pointed out, you know, there, there's a lot of relief organizations and really uh, religious organizations even that are, are trying to help the poor. And so uh, poor was what I had you put in your blank there. But, uh, you know, you can do a, a good thing with, with, with the wrong heart, can't you? And sometimes it is to be uh, seen of others. And he really, uh, look at these... Look at these cross-references I gave you. Hold your place here. Let's go to John 12. I want you to see this. This is about uh, Judas Iscariot and his care for the poor. And, you know, we don't we don't want to miss the point that Proverbs speaks several times that uh, it's a righteous thing to care for the poor, and it's when when it's in the power of your hand to help others we should do it. And John twelve verse three, uh, I'll read that. 
It said, Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard. Hands, you can give me that water. Very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Then saith one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him, why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the bag and bare what was put therein. Then said Jesus, let her alone against the day of my burying. Hath she kept this? For the poor... Always ye have with you, but me ye have not always. Much people of the Jews therefore knew that he was there, and they came not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might see Lazarus also, in whom he had raised from the dead. And uh, I think I read an extra verse there, but so Judas's chariot. Uh, his love for money caused him to, you know, act pretty pious here. Instead of wasting this spike nerd, uh, just pouring it, anointing Jesus' feet with, you know, why wasn't it sold and given the money given to the poor? But he, he didn't really care for the poor, and so you, you see that. But, uh, then look at the Matthew 27 verse also. <clears throat> Matthew 27, this is uh, right after Judas betrayed the Lord. And Angie, would you read 7 and 8 in Matthew 27? And they took counsel and bought with them the potter's field very strangely then. Wherefore that field was called the field of blood unto this day. Yeah, so they... Uh, they were uh, buried uh, strangers, so they they used that money to buy the potter's field. <clears throat> I think one of the other gospels, maybe it's in Acts, where it says that uh, it was for the poor. So anyway, even the chief priest uh, took back the money. They didn't want to put it. Uh, it was the price of blood. They didn't want to put it in with the treasury. And so they, they bought a field to where uh, poor people or strangers could be buried there. So anyway, it's just kind of interesting, the, the use of money. And um, anyway, we're, we're always going to have uh, poor people. And uh, we we do need to help them. But anyway, they're in Job. It's just the reference of the wicked person. It's like his children. So it's like the followers of Antichrist are going to have some kind of pious concern for the poor. And uh, it's not necessarily uh, of the Lord. That's what the point is there in Job. Uh, Verse 11... Uh, back with you, Emmett, if you want to read 21 or 2011. We're back in Job. His bones have fallen of the sand of his shoes, which shall lie down with him in the dust. Now, it talks about his youth. Uh, I, I bet most of us, 
in this room still have some kind of ache and pain from some injury when we were young. Uh, maybe I remember a motorcycle wreck and I hurt my knee and so I wonder if still my knee hurts a little bit because of that motorcycle wreck just things like that so anyway he's referencing maybe Job's sins that he's done in his youth or maybe coming back to uh, cause him trouble even now as he's older and laying down in the dust so uh, for what that's worth. Uh, verses 12 through 14. Uh, Pam, you want to read 12 through 14? Though wickedness be sweet in his mouth, though he hide it under his tongue, though he spread it and forsake it not, and keep it still within his mouth, yet his meat and his bowels is turned. It's the gall of asps within him. Yeah. So it says wickedness is sweet in his mouth. And so that reminds us of Hebrews where it says there's uh, the pleasure of sin is for a season. And so, you know, all of us, when we have done something sinful, we uh, went into it thinking this is going to, we're going to like this. It's going to feel good. It's going to taste good. We're going to enjoy this. And, but afterwards, you know, it, it even like, uh, putting like sweet candy under your tongue. I mean, that way you can savor it longer, maybe. Uh, but it's going to be uh, turned in your bowels, and uh, there's a proverb that talks about you know it'll be like gravel, like you know nobody would pick up some gravel and chew on it. But it's going to be like that. It's going to become bitter, and it says even here like an asp, like a serpent's uh, bite. And uh, I don't know if anybody ever got bit by a poisonous snake, but you know it'd be, it would be like that. It's like this is going to be enjoyable, and then it's like nope, it's it's horrible. It's bitterness. It's you know it, it's like drunkenness or drug drug use. Even uh, Proverbs uh, talks about that. That uh, you know you look at the wine in the cup, and but. Uh, you know, afterwards, you realize it's it, it bites you like a like a serpent. It's what's interesting about the alcohol is that's what they call it intoxicated because it's toxic. Ah. Yeah. That's yeah. Spirits. Hard on your liver and yeah. Right. But it is fun. <laughs> you know, sounds fun. Uh, yeah. But there are consequences. Yeah. Yeah. Alcohol is a bad one just because it's legal, it's available. Yeah. And, uh. It's actually a badge of honor, you know, if you're a drinker and uh a drinker, you know. I put up that that word because all the time, you know, serving alcohol at all of our parties, Mm. and people just think it's weird, I don't drink. Do they have uh, alcohol at your? Oh yeah. At your corporate bar. parties? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, we'll have another one on the fifteenth. We're all huh. to a theater and we're having a big company party and there's gonna be alcohol everywhere. Huh. Huh. I think it's really interesting. I'm sure a lot of 
characters in the Bible went through this where they went through a transition in their life yeah. whenever they know the truth and like myself I, I spent 20 years bartending and I was thinking was reflecting last night I'm like, I could never go back to that because of what I know now yeah. with the, what it does to you psychologically mm. and physically um, and then in the truth mm-hmm. the Bible is talking about it's almost like letting yourself uh, be off guard uh-huh. and lose moral and in the flesh and you just forget your principles and values yeah. exactly. Exactly. that's good well it's it's about control I mean you know Ephesians 5 talks about moderation of course but it, it says be not drunk with wine wherein is excess but be filled with the spirit and so to be filled with the spirit it, we, we want to be spirit controlled and not alcohol or controlled by the flesh and carnal appetite talking about the spirits of the, the yeah. serpent sauce <laughs> uh, yeah, they even call them spirits yeah uh huh right yeah it's a wrong spirit but... Yeah, well, it was Brian preaching last Sunday that the place he worked at Fagan was right next to World of Spirits. Yeah. That was the store that right beside him, and uh, just yep, the wrong wrong spirit. Well, good. Uh, verse fifteen, uh, Heather, you want to read that one? He hath swallowed down riches, and he shall vomit them up again. God shall cast them out of his belly, and shall suck the poison of asps. The viper's tongue shall slay him. He shall not see the rivers, the floods, the brooks of honey and butter. Yeah, and and so those 15 and 16 kind of go together, just uh, you know, just devouring riches, but they get vomited up again. They don't. They don't satisfy. And the poison of asps. But then this, uh, he shall not see the rivers, the floods, the brooks of honey and butter. What does that remind you of? Uh, verse seventeen. That the butter and honey. Yeah, it sounds a lot like the promised land was the land of milk and honey. And I'm not totally sure why they called that. Just I think uh, the milk and honey are two things that can really sustain you. Uh, the Bible, the Bible is the Word of God is actually like honey and it's like uh, milk. And of course, butter comes from milk. And so I, I think that was maybe why coming out of the wilderness, the Israelites. You know, had been uh, eating manna and quail for all those years, and and they wanted to go to milk and honey. Sounded, you know, very good and things that will sustain them. And so they they do say honey is one of the only foods that doesn't really uh, deteriorate or it doesn't spoil. Yeah, it's cool. You can boil it if it gets all sugary and kind of rejuvenate it and. So yeah, you, when you think about honey, like on an environmental aspect, you know, you have to have good seasons, yeah. you have to have fair weather, the temperature for the bees to make yeah. it because of the growth of the environment. Produce it. You ha- you have bees to yeah, so even now. Some years are better than others. 
we have a you know, too wet or too cold spring or things don't fall in, you know, fall in early. You know, I have to feed them because there's not enough in nature. We heard that uh, the young man you're discipling is yeah, starting to study yeah. bees or something. He's got some kind of class. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm gonna have him down this spring whenever I work my hives. Huh. Yeah, we do. Huh. Yesterday at church, uh, it was our son's turn to clean the church, the youth, the youth group, mm. and. Uh, one of the young men in is Jackson Larkham that Jim's discipling. Is he like twelve or thirteen? Or yeah, yeah. He's probably but anyway, you may not have known this, but a year ago at our vision conference, our main speaker was Andrew Ong, who's going to Vietnam as a missionary, and. Uh, the Lord kind of put it in Jackson Larkham's heart at age 11 or 12 that, hey, we should support this missionary and, and I'll, I'll be the uh, team leader for, for his prayer team, this 11-year-old boy. And so yesterday, uh, Andrew Ong and his team are in town and so they were here at the church uh, they help clean the church. They they have uh, nine people on his team from Midtown, and all nine of them are actually physically going to Vietnam to like start a church. They're they're leaving Kansas City, packing up everything, and one lady's going in August. She's already got a job as a teacher, so they're all trying to find a job there, a way to get a visa, a way to get in the country. And uh, so they're going to be on the ground. So anyway, they all went to Culver's here in Harrisonville. One of them's from Hong Kong. Uh, Andrew's from like Malaysia, and they're from all. And there's a the black lady from somewhere. So it's like all these cultures were having lunch at Culver's yesterday <laughs> after they cleaned our church right where you're sitting. They cleaned our church. So that's when they do their prayer meeting is when they clean. So yeah. we invited them to come, and he said, "We'll only come if we can help you clean." So Kind of how, yeah. So five of the nine people were able to come, and I think we had about five or eight youth, maybe. Everybody's busy, so they they had ten or twelve people at cleaning the church and uh, going to Culver's yesterday. So anyway, that th- these are good good comments. But anyway, this this thing about uh, basically. Zophar is telling Job, you're not going to get to see the promised land. And uh, my teaching point there was just that counselors should know their own limitations and do not uh, take opposition personally. Uh, they, um, He was really speaking out against Job. So... Uh, we got about 15 minutes. Verse 17, Jim, if you want to read that one. Uh, oh, we, oh, we already did, didn't we? Do 18. That which he labored for shall he restore, and shall not swallow it down according to his substance all the rest of it. Now, sir, this is a little plan. Uh-huh. Uh, that which he labored for shall he restore, and shall not swallow it down according to his substance shall... The restitution, and he shall not rejoice there. Yeah, I, I just uh, so, so the wicked don't get to enjoy their riches, 
and uh, the thing I was reading just is similar to when Israel came out of Egypt. Remember, they spoiled the Egyptians and they they took all their wealth. So the rich person doesn't really get to enjoy what he labored for if he's wicked it'll it'll be giving given to God's people and so that's what happened when Israel came out of Egypt and i've got look at daniel 7 let's we're not too far from daniel go to go to the right a few books daniel 7 it says something similar i don't know if this is about nebuchadnezzar I guess it is a few books to the right in Daniel 7. Ezekiel Daniel. And Jim, I'll let you read these two if you would. 727. Why so? And the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High, whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey Him. Yeah, so the greatness of Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom under the whole heaven, it's going to be given to the people of the saints of the Most High, and it's it's God's kingdom who is going to be everlasting and and uh, all dominions shall serve and obey him. So anyway, there, there's a reference for you know the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our Lord, and so God's people inherit the things that uh, uh, wicked people and nations have gained. And so <clears throat> I was thinking about all that stuff that Hitler stole. From the Jews, uh-huh. and stopped it away in different places. Yeah, that's good. There's a movie out called The Monument Men that's really interesting. Yeah. that goes through that. Oh, really? Yeah. And you know things that you wouldn't think of: people's jewelry and people's huh. things out of the house, the paintings and uh-huh. stuff, and how a lot of that got returned to the owner. Really? That or the owner's family, whoever yeah. was left. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. That's- yeah. It's a good movie. Yeah. The Monument Man. I have to look that up. Huh. That's astonishing. That's the one where they found the, the hidden place where the Germans had gone and taken some of the uh, historical monuments and paintings, and then they go in and they found they, there was a barrel. Of gold, and it was teeth. Wow! Wow! Yeah. Huh. I don't think those people got their gold back. <laughs> but Hitler didn't get it either. No. Nope. I mean, he he enjoyed for a season. Huh. I'm wondering what you know no, for a, what, for a time. I mean, it seemed like a long time from the 30s to the 40s. To yeah. 40, and yeah. I wouldn't even be persecuted. Yeah. I wasn't born till 42. But you re- you remember but, some of that? You know, that part of history is fascinating to me, and it seemed like a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they had a Holocaust museum in Jerusalem that we went to when we were there, and it was just fascinating. I mean, you walked through it, but it, it went from year to year, and it showed things that happened each year all the way 
to the end and things things I didn't know and just kind of help put things together and there's monuments outside even to countries that allowed Jews to flee there for as refugees and I think Denmark was one of them that allowed 70,000 Jews to come and and uh, they, there was even one for Schindler, Schindler who, you know, employed, protected some of the Jews, and I think the Anne Frank or the, who's, anyway, Corey Tin Boom. So there, there were trees and monuments outside the Holocaust Museum for those nations and people. So just the sidewalk and. They had a monument for all the children that were killed. I mean, just. I think there was 2.5 million children. So, I mean, you just go to school and they would take their children while they're at school. And uh, Anyway, so there was a whole building dedicated to the children that died. And anyway, even just they carved in the rocks. It was just really a moving presentation of all that. And, you know, so the rooms were kind of dark and. They really tried to highlight that anyway. So those are good, good things you're talking about there, because and that relates even to our study, uh, verse 19, talking about this wicked person that because he hath oppressed and forsaken the poor, because he hath violently taken away an house which he builded not. So I, I put the word oppression in your. And in in our in in our recovery material, it talks about oppression being uh, an outside pressure. When you're oppressed, you know poor people are typically oppressed. They got bills they can't pay. They got car trouble. They got trouble finding food. And that that is what what oppression looks like, and that's what it it says here that this wicked person oppresses and forsakes the poor uh, because he violently taketh away a house which he builded not. So it's like a, a rich person oppressing the poor and not caring for them, but taking their stuff. And that that's exactly what you're talking about in the Holocaust and. And uh, letter D there, uh, 20 through 22, Angie, if you read those, uh, 20, 21, and 22. Surely he shall not feel quietness in his belly. He shall not save of that which he desired. There shall none of his meat be left. Therefore shall no man look for his goods. In the fullness of his sufficiency he shall be in straits. Every hand of the wicked shall come upon him. So I, I kind of highlighted this word straight here, and I gave you a definition to, to bind, to be distressed, to be in distress, uh, be cramped. And uh, the word straight means like narrow. And it, it, it's actually in the verse I put, I printed it on your screen, on your handout. Uh, enter ye in at the straight gate for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction and many there be which go in thereat because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life and few there be that find it so we even talk about that keeping people on the straight and narrow so straight has to do with 
uh, you know, kind of being cramped, and it's connected with uh, kind of a narrow or a small way. And uh, that's what it's saying about uh, this wicked person. Even though he's fullness and self-sufficient, he's going to be in straits. He's going to be in a narrow way. And uh, every hand of the wicked shall come upon him. So uh, the Antichrist in particular, uh, once he's exposed, that uh, you know, people have taken the mark. They've they're going. They're going to be angry with him. And of course, uh, the Lord will destroy him at his coming. All right, verses uh, twenty. 23, the wicked faces God's wrath. Uh, Verse 23, when he is about to fill his belly, God shall cast the fury of his wrath upon him and shall rain it upon him while he is eating. And so uh, the cross-reference there is just that you know the verse in Thessalonians where it says when they say uh, peace and safety then come a uh, destruction upon him. That That's what this verse reminded me of. That uh, this person is eating till his belly's full and just when he thinks he's safe and comfortable and fat and happy you know God will rain down wrath upon him. And uh, that that's what happens at the Valley of Armageddon. And uh, God's armies destroy the Antichrist. And so we win. That's the good news. Uh, 24 and 25, Emmett. He shall flee from the iron weapon, and the bow of steel shall strike him through. It is drawn and cometh out of the body, yea, the glitter and sword cometh out of his gulf. Terrors are upon him. Alright, so I mean that that glittering sword could be the iron weapon that he's talking about in verse fourteen. This bow of steel, so it's talking about uh war and uh, terrors that are coming upon the Antichrist. And then uh, verse 26, Pam. All darkness shall be hid in his secret places. A fire not blown shall consume him. It shall go ill with him. Yeah, read 27 also. That is left in his tabernacle. The heaven shall reveal his iniquity and the earth shall rise up against him. Now, now when it said that fire not blown, uh, the thing I was reading said that just kind of means that it's not that a man started it. And so I think that's maybe a reference to uh, the fiery throne. The Bible talks about uh, God's throne being like a fiery flame. I had you put that in your blank. And, uh, you know, we know whenever Moses was called by God, it's from the burning bush. It was that bush that was on fire, but it was not consumed. And so the Bible even calls God a consuming fire. And so uh, that's the the source that's going to consume this Antichrist, this wicked. So Zophar is being very descriptive in his wording. 
And then verses 28 and 29, uh, Heather, if you want to read those. The increase of his house shall depart, and his gifts shall flow away in the day of his wrath. This is the portion of the wicked man from God, and the heritage appointed unto him by God. Yeah, so... uh, I think it was in that Dake's Bible that I read. There's nearly 30 things that that uh, Zophar described. This is going to happen to the wicked man. This is going to happen. And in 29 is kind of the, the, the cumulative. He's just saying, Job, this is the portion that's going to happen to the wicked man and from God. And so this is the heritage that's appointed to him by God. And so in my teaching point here, Zophar misses the marks of, of Job's suffering, but he hit the bullseye of the coming wickedness of the Antichrist, who is the personification of the devil. So I said you put bullseye in your last... Because they really do miss the mark, because Job is being uh, suffering from the devil himself. This is a spiritual warfare... And his friends cannot see past Job himself not being wicked and not suffering. Their their assumption is God is a good God. He rewards righteousness and he punishes wickedness. And although those things are true, in a general sense, they're diagnosing everything has to have come from Job doing some form of wickedness. And so anyway, Anyway, we, we have to be careful not to jump to those same conclusions as we talk with people because it could be a spiritual thing that uh, God is allowing in uh, in some one of our acquaintances' life. And so we, we don't always know why, do we? And that, that's what you said, Pam. I, I, I wonder sometimes... You know why is God allowing this to happen for so long? Like, like the Holocaust and like World War II and this war and and uh, you know he, even with my dad's knee problems. I mean, just by off chance, last August he got you know cortisone injections in his knees. And one of them got infection, which could have killed him. And he's had trouble with his knees ever since. And he still can't hardly walk. And I just look, you know, God, why is this happening? And, and we don't always know why. And, uh, you know, Proverbs, or, uh, Romans 8.28 uh we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. So I do always try to look for some good. And, you know, we, we've had two or three people from our recovery group that have died uh, this year. Uh, one suicide not too long ago. Uh, but anyway... Uh, you know, I, I even though I don't always know why, or maybe we do know why, but uh, I always look for some good to come out of it. I, and I, I try to meditate and focus on that to see God's hand at work, and because um, I do love the Lord, and I, you know, God has allowed this for some reason, and I don't know maybe why, or I can't articulate uh, why. <clears throat> It seems like God got angry with everyone on earth quickly after the first people 
Well, the ark was preparing for 120 years. God, well, yeah. I, mean, I think it took him like 100 years to, to build it, and or was it 20 years to build it? And anyway, about 120 years from the time God told him it was going to flood till the time he did it. So yeah, I, um, is he that merciful because of people's prayers? Yeah, he he's long suffering, and in a way, Christians are the pres- preserving agents here, and um, and that's pretty wild. Thing. You know, even this little church we're setting in, God is really using it. You know, we're publishing Bibles and. Uh, there was a lady got saved last week, and you know there's 20 or 30 being discipled. So it's churches, and this is a little bit rare. Uh, I mean, I've, I've been. I mean, I got saved in '92, and I remember thinking, "Boy, the Lord's coming back any day." When I was got saved in '92, and that was 31 years ago. So. So, it's a you know, time is more of a human thing than. I remember uh, the guy giving the illustration of like, uh, you, we've all seen a parade, but if you think of like the Macy's Day Parade, you know it goes several blocks through New York City, and but they said you know time is like. God being overhead in like the Goodyear blimp and he sees the beginning of the parade from the end of the parade but if you're standing on a corner you only see what goes by you you know at in in real time and so we I've only seen what's happened in my part of the world for 31 years since I've been saved but you know God sees the whole picture I guess is the kind of the comment I'm trying to make and so they, he does say that when the fullness of the Gentiles be come in, uh, you know this, you know the rapture is going to happen. The tribulation will follow thereafter. And anyway, we're, we're late here. Let me. Uh, I'm going to shut this off. Thanks for joining us online. If you're listening online, I don't always say hi and thank you, but we're glad you're joining us. And I hope to see you soon. And we're going to pray here.